Welcome to Always Listening. We're your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay, also known as Pod Vader. And we are always listening. Uh, Jay, um, hey, how are you, bud? I'm doing well. I'm trying to change it up. I don't think I've shared this story with you about my college radio show. Back when I was in college, I did a show with a buddy. Uh, his name also began with a J. He was Jeb. By the way, don't mess with a man named Jebediah. That was uh, <laughs> that was also an ongoing gag on our show. But, uh, you know, we were uh, we did a show together and we started off. We, there's a great uh, little ditty on uh, the Aerosmith album uh, Eat the Rich. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, they do this little ditty and then it's like, and then it goes into Eat the Rich. And over that little musical interlude, we would jump in and be like, he's Jeb and he's Jay and we are the lowest common denominator. And that was that was sort of our show. And then we'd had a we had a sound bite from Beavis and Butthead after that. So anyway, you can get the picture of the fun I had in college with a show called The Lowest Common Denominator. But um, yeah, that's what I think about every time we open up this show with uh, I'm I'm Joel. That's funny. I'm Jay. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know any other way to open a show. I think, honestly, Jay, I th I've told this story before, but that's the like when I decided to do my very first podcast, it was because it occurred to me how we would start the show. And once I had that, that had the intro to the show, I was like, oh, well, now I can make a thing. Uh, I don't know if anybody else thinks that way or if that's just me. I, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, the best way to do it is these like NPR podcasts that come in sideways with a story, right? You launch it in the right. moment. Uh, but I don't really know how to do that with news of the podcasting industry. So here we are with our current format. It. <laughs> now, if we could just throw in a drop of like Beavis going, these guys are the kings of rock. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, we're the kings of podcasting anyway. How about that? Well, I don't know about that. We're we're mm. we're uh, we're the, the um, wannabe kings of the podcasting. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of podcasting might be what we oh are. Oh, my God. Now we went NPR on them again. Jay, let's talk about Google podcasts. They made some news this week. The good kind and the bad kind as well. Uh, first of all, uh, we've got a link in the show notes from our buddy James Cridlin at Pod News, but uh, he sort of broke the idea, or at least broke it for me. Maybe somebody else came out with it first, uh, but I first heard it from him that Google Podcasts now works on the web. It doesn't; it's not public facing yet. There's not an easy way to go to it, but you can in fact look at your show in Google Podcasts if it's there already. Uh, whether you're on iOS or whether you're in mobile Safari or even on your desktop or whatever. Formerly, this had been Android only. It's handy for podcasters that you can go and look at what your you know, show looks like and you can sort of see what the experience is like for Android users if you don't have an Android device. Currently, I don't think it's very helpful. What it should mean, though, and this is the good news long term for us, this should roll out now, right? Google Podcasts should very quickly be everywhere. It should be public-facing, and it should be another alternative for your average Joe Jane consumer uh, to Apple Podcasts that, unlike Apple Podcasts, will work everywhere. Well, there's a, there's a lot of things to this. So first of all, it's cross-platform, which is fantastic. It doesn't matter if you have an Apple device or you have a Google device or an Android device, whatever, because it's web-based on Chrome or even Safari, you can go to the website and then listen to the podcast via Google Podcasts. Uh, they have a nice little player. It's very clean. It's very intuitive. You don't have to teach a lot of people to look at this. They see the little round button with the triangle in it. They know they click that. That's play. And then a little player comes up and you can listen to your favorite podcast. 
the other thing about this is it gives a shareable link. You know, I was pushing Google Podcasts ever since it was announced that Google Podcasts was a thing, but I didn't really tell people how to get their podcasts on Google Podcasts because quite honestly, it's a little it takes a little bit of work to make that all happen for you on your Android device. You got to search for the podcast, then you find it and then you hold it down and it makes a bookmark on your whatever. Like already I'm confused by what happens there because I have an Apple device. But now I have a link and just like on Apple, I can copy that link and put it in my show notes. I can put it in my uh, in my social media. I can share it with people so that I can actually push people to listen to Google Podcasts. And of course, if it's cross-platform, that's going to be a link that's a little bit more valuable to me to share than say the Apple Podcast link, which only Apple users can end up using. So that's big news. And then as I was listening to uh, the good guys over on the new media show, Todd Cochran and Rob Greenlee, uh, who and they were talking to my boyfriend, Tom Webster, or my wannabe boyfriend, Tom Webster, uh, they were talking about how this should also end up making things a little bit more shareable. Once you can start searching for the podcasts in Google uh, cross-platform, this is going to be that next step to get us to those larger numbers that we're looking for. Google can double podcast consumption. So the the thing that I think about, Jay, is the Overcast app. Overcast has a great web component that uh, Marco has built in. And if you want to share a show from Overcast, you're listening to an episode or, or a, a show in general, or even if you want to share a particular clip, you want to get right to one conversation, all of that is really easy to do from the Overcast app. And the way that it works is through a web player. He effectively defaults to this web player that works anywhere on Android, on iOS, on Facebook, on Twitter, wherever you get the link. You can load it up and, and play not even just a podcast or a specific episode, but go straight to a specific segment of a a podcast. It's great. The problem is that the Overcast app, the better experience that that web backend connects to is not available on Android or anywhere other than the iOS. You can't even get a, an Overcast app yet for like Mac, for instance, for your desktop. So it sort of leaves something to be desired. If you are all in on the Overcast thing, you still can't take your podcasting with you everywhere, which is, you know, that's one of the goals. It's one of the reasons why you hear people like apps like Pocket Cast, for instance, because it always has been cross-platform. It's always had a web component, et cetera, et cetera. Those are great for people that are in the podcasting space and that are willing to do their homework, that are willing to chase down a third-party, small, independent developer. But, like... <laughs> Your mom isn't going to do that. My mom is going to load up whatever is on her phone. And if it's not on her phone, she's never going to use it. So for the fact that three quarters of the world plus uses Android devices, boy, it'd be great if we had a nice built-in automatic system that those of us who have been on the iOS side could access easily and then share from to make it, again, we just want, we just want to cut out all of the in-between steps. It's one thing for us to say out loud. We've always been saying now, oh, it's nice that we can say as podcasters, our show is available everywhere you find podcasts. That's great as a call to action for someone that's already listening to one. But how does that translate to someone who doesn't know what the hell to do with them in the first place? Not very well. This Google link will do that. So it can't come soon enough, in my opinion. Bully. Bully. Well, and and of course... There are apps that are cross-platform that this is available for, and we've seen tremendous growth out of Spotify, our good buddies over there, which we don't have any stories about this week. Amazing. It's a 
on Spotify week here on Always Listening. Uh, Spotify has has had a lot of success with the cross-platformness of it. But, of course, your mom is not listening on Spotify. So how do you get your mom to listen? And never mind your mom, your neighbor, uh, your, you know, your cousin six times removed who lives across the country. None of those people who aren't listening to podcasts right now, and there's quite a number of them, uh, at least 49% have not listened to a podcast at least once monthly. Uh, there's a bunch of people out there that don't know what they are, don't know what it is, making it as easy as possible to have them just click play. We've had this conversation here. We're fortunate enough that you have a website and alwayslisteningpod.com is the place that we're going to drive our listeners to so that they can go to the website. They can click play on our player that's there. But then there are links to all the places that it's available that that person can then subscribe to. And that's the best way to market a podcast, or at least how I coach podcasters to market their podcast. Send them to your website. But if you don't have a website, <clears throat> like the guy who coaches people, uh, then you know, th then where are you sending, where are you going to send people to? You want to send them to your host site because your host usually provides you at least a page, which, you know, control that has all your podcasts listed to it. And it's nice and neat, but that's rented property. It's not my own property. And of course, all of the links to all these apps are also technically rented property as well. But at the present time, that's how people listen to podcasts unless you're the BBC. Yeah, so that that's the flip side of this Google stuff. Good news from Google in this this uh, web version and uh, a more full version of their podcast initiative is coming soon. The bad news is, and I don't think these two things have anything to do with one another, right? It's not the further expansion of Google that caused them to be the first one hit. I, I almost said let's don't do this story this week, Jay, because I think we'll probably hear two or three more big directories that also get BBC yanked over the next week. But... Again, James Cridlin reporting uh, the BBC podcasts have already left not only the Google Podcasts app, but Google Assistant. You, you can't access them from any of Google's directories. And the reasoning, the argument from BBC's side is that, hey, we had a very simple bit of legalese that we needed Google to sign off on and they wouldn't do so. So, you know, we've pulled our apps. Uh, we pulled our podcasts. That sounds reasonable enough until you look at what they're trying to do. This is all part of, and I'll admit, Jay, I don't listen to a lot of BBC shows. I, I don't listen to any in an ongoing manner. I have listened to some uh, on occasion, and uh, there have been times when I've listened to some regularly. But for our friends and listeners in the UK, I think this is going to be even more of a big deal, but it's also going to be something that is not surprising to them. This is an ongoing initiative for the BBC to do what every media company in the world is doing right now, which is pulling in all of their content into their own little silo. It is the exact same thing that you see Disney doing as they shut down their licensing deals with other networks and distribution points, and they're moving to this model where later this year they'll have Disney Plus and everything will come directly from a, a, a connection with the customer that they own. Same thing Apple today. We're going to talk about it in a little bit. They announced a new streaming service of their own, a video streaming service uh, and a news uh, subscription service and a game subscription service too. Again, it's about having that direct one-to-one -one connection with the consumer and producing original content that is exclusive to your little silo. So the BBC is doing that. The fact that they're doing it with podcasts is 
not unique in our space because, like, I thought a lot about how does this differ from what Audible has done, right? Jay, Audible's never had anything out in the open. They've always had their quote-unquote podcast behind their paywall. You have to be an Audible member to get them. Okay, or, or at least an Amazon Prime member. I think some of them are available through Amazon Prime subscriptions, too. They've got some original content, audio content. The difference here, though, is that these are shows that have been traditional podcasts that were released and, and are released in an ongoing fashion through RSS apps that even will still be accessible through some RSS-serving uh, apps as long as those directories sign on to the BBC's terms. But... They're being pulled from Google, and the whole point is that BBC wants to promote their own, uh, their own app, their own uh, direct connection. The, my, my worry will be if this is successful, if any of the big apps sign on with BBC and agree to their terms, which effectively just allows for lots of promotion of their, of their app is what it comes down to. If it's allowed, though... I do worry that every company will do this. And effectively, the only things that we'll get in the Apple Podcasts app will be independence and a few Apple exclusives and then lots of promotion for shows that are in Gimlet's uh, exclusive stuff over in Spotify. And, hey, you can go to the iHeartRadio app and get our uh, Ron Burgundy show, but you can get like the 15-minute version of it uh, two weeks later in the Apple Podcasts app with a bunch of ads around it. I mean, that's... That's the future that we could go to. I don't think we're going to get there because I think Google is doing the right thing here, and I think the other apps are going to stand with them, and I think eventually the BBC shows are either going to not land and, and roll back this policy, or uh, they'll fade away altogether, and, and th those folks will just find other content to serve their needs. Let me address what you just said first, um, because honestly, wouldn't that be the best thing for the independent podcasters? If all the corporate podcasters took their ball and ran away and took all their podcasts off of Apple, off of Google, and you had to go to their, you know, their app or their website to go listen to their stuff, now your podcast is front and center. You're giving Apple or Google or any of those other companies a reason to push your content ahead of anything else. So to me, that would be great news for the independent podcaster. I uh, mentioned last week how cynical I am. I don't believe this is something that's going to work. If anything, uh, I am along the lines of this is going to hurt the BBC more than it's going to hurt Google. Google ultimately doesn't care. I mean, why would Google care? There's nothing right now in the game for Google to have BBC podcasts in their listening experience. If they're not there, well, there's plenty of other stuff that Google can push and promote over the BBC. And Honestly, I think more people will find their podcast via Google than they'll find them via the BBC, uh, unless they're already a listener to the BBC and they get inundated by the ads that are on the BBC, which again, correct me if I'm wrong, I I'm not from England, but they don't have a lot of ads over there on their programming. Most of their programming is commercial free. So. I think that I, again, I don't want to speak out of turn because I've never, I've never been in the UK to watch television. I, I, I was in Dublin for like a week one time, but I didn't watch much TV while I was there. I don't, I watched a soccer game. That's, I don't remember what the ads were like, <laughs> honestly. Um, but, but I, I do think though that they have had a, 
a more interesting take on this than a lot of the other media companies because of the specific sort of interesting backbone that is the BBC. They're closer to NPR and, and PBS in the States than any other media company right. we have, but it's not even the same deal as that. It's 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 further and beyond. I mean, the very idea, I didn't know until the last like six months or so that everyone in the UK has to pay like a license, like a royalty fee or whatever to, to uh, it's called a, um, well, I think it's called a TV license. Like effectively you have yes. to say, if you have any television at all, you have to pay the BBC every month. That's, that's sort of absurd coming from the American perspective. And yet, also, like, I, a lot of BBC programming is really good. And if they have been traditionally, and I think they have been historically less ad-focused or less ad-centric or maybe not ad-involved uh, at all, maybe that's a better model. Anyway, it, it is interesting. And I would never even thought about the idea of that as a positive, Jay, for independent podcasters, the, the siphoning off of all of the high-quality sort of uh, media company driven content in the podcasting space being a good thing for podcasters. But I, I suppose I could see my worry would be that you said, well, Apple will promote the indie podcaster in the podcast app. Then my concern would be that all of the directories would go to some sort of model where if you don't sign exclusives, they don't even allow you to be listed. You know, yeah. I could definitely see that in the future where if you want to be in Spotify, you have to tell them that Spotify is the only place you can find your podcast. I mean, if that ultimately becomes the business model for all of these podcast listening apps, then yes, that will suck for the independent podcaster. But there'll be guys like Marco at Overcast who's going to keep their uh, podcast app open and free. Um, well, except you have to pay for Overcast. But in any case, uh, it's going to be open so that any podcaster can be found in his app and then of course you can buy the ads on overcast to promote your show and apparently they do really well on overcast the other thing that james brings up in his article here on this thing is that this could mean the end of the way that podcasting is distributed as we know it and again i think that's a large jump to go from the bbc pulling their content from google uh, and this is going to change the way we listen to podcasts forever i don't think we're at that point yet, unless, like you mentioned, we hear a similar story coming from Apple or any of the other apps that the BBC is also pulling their content from. And again, it all comes down to what is the value that you're providing your listener? You know, Disney putting all of their content behind their paywall, quite honestly, it makes sense. I mean, the Marvel movies are making buku bucks for the mouse. And if that's the case, why are they going to allow a third party to benefit from their success when they can have all the success right in their house? And honestly, everyone's going to find out where all the Marvel movies are. They're going to and they'll go right to Disney Plus for it. They, they won't go to Netflix and go, oh, man, I'm really shattered that, you know, Black Panther is no longer here on Netflix. Oh, it's on my Disney Plus app. That's fine. My my thing that I have always warned against is that when you're paying 10 bucks a month for Disney Plus, and then you got to pay 10 bucks a month for Spotify, and then you got to pay 10 bucks a month for Apple Podcasts, and then you got to pay 10 bucks. You, your 10 bucks a month for each and every service can only go so far. And, and when the podcast listener is only listening to seven podcasts a week, they got to decide well, which of those seven am I willing to pay 10 bucks a month? to continue listening to when I can listen to these other seven for free. Uh, and it's not going to, I don't have to budget for it. That's sort of, that's sort of where my concerns would lie. 
and and that Jay is the beauty of the advertising model for content creation. <laughs> yes, Joel, I'm glad you brought this up because for some of our listeners, they just heard an ad on our podcast. Some didn't. That's the beauty of the way our dynamic ads are served thanks to our podcast host. However, what really drives me insane, Joel, is when I hear podcasters, especially podcasters, say, we're going to take a break and pay the bills and listen to some ads right now. Like, one, there may or may not be any ads when you say that. But two, why are you giving your audience a reason to stop listening to your show? And you're not taking a break. No one's going anywhere. You're, you're not leaving anywhere. You yourself haven't even actually, you may have just continued recording. You may have just said a line and then just paused and continued to record. So you didn't even take a break. You, you continued to talk. Stop saying this and don't tell me well radio people do it well radio people shouldn't be doing it either because they're people aren't taking a break there either they're hitting the button every time they hear we're going to take a break bang button gets pushed to the next radio station so when you do it on a podcast what is the what what is the person who's listening they're trained you got to understand this is years and years of training you're in a car and as soon as you hear we're going to take a break bam it, it, it's a reflex. You don't even know that you're doing it. Your finger just hits the button to find the next radio station. Well, now it's a podcast. We're going to take a break. The person's like pointing and trying to hit something because the phone's in their pocket. And now they're like, oh, like, it's a podcast. I got to take my phone out. Of it. Don't say, stop saying we're going to take a break. We're going to. You don't say anything. Always give the listener a reason to continue listening. You want to tease the audience as much as possible. You want to say things like, you know, Joel, in a few minutes, we're going to talk about uh, the whole Apple meeting that's coming up. I can't wait to get your input on that. Joel, you watched the Apple meeting earlier uh, on Monday. Tell me all about it. What did you say? You've never given your audience a reason to stop listening when you when you talk to them like they're a person like that like you're me and joel just sitting here talking to each other over skype i'm looking at him right now he's looking right at me he sees me waving my arms like a maniac and by the way this is what i do in my car when i hear we're gonna take a break my arms start flailing i'm like no you're not taking a break and people see me driving my car they're like what is wrong with that crazy man uh this this thing it, it's more than a pet peeve Joel, it's, it's literally, it hurts my soul every time it's said, you know, uh, you know, when a bell rings an angel gets its wings, whenever a podcaster says, we're going to take a break years come off of my life. I'm, I'm going to be dead in like a week or from now. It's funny because you, you said at the beginning of that, well, radio people do it. Not good radio people. Like, honestly, that is literally something that you'll get in trouble for in your air checks. Same deal if you if you name check the station on the way out, right? Like right back on Hot 107.4 or whatever, and then you go to commercial. What you've done is meld together advertising, which people don't like generally, with the name of your radio station, which you're supposed to love. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's just it's just Well, and you just said right back. You said right back. Where are you going? Yeah. What do you mean right back? Well, in particular in the podcasting world, you're right. Like, don't – see, I will say this. in For dynamic ad insertion, my general point is 
you just make sure that you put it in a, a, a break in topic and you don't reference it at all, specifically because it is so often not there. So many different ways the end listener might interact with the content and never get an advertisement at all. Um, it's That's different, obviously, than host red ads. I think about the one that I always use as a great example, and I think they do it better than anybody I've listened to in podcasting. My brother, my brother, and me, the McElroy brothers, when they go to the, the money zone. All right, let's go to the money zone. And there's a swell of music. And then they do their advertisement. But their advertisements are just like the show. It's just, you know, two or three minutes of them goofing with each other and whatever the copy is that the advertiser has sent in. Uh, and then they even do, like, the billboard things from your fans. Like, they do personal messages or something at the end of that little segment, too. So it is it is a whole other segment of the show. But if you're going to go outside of that, or even if you're going to have host-read ads, but, again, dynamically inserted. So I'm going to read the ad from... HelloFresh, and then that's only going to be inserted for X number of days, and then it's going to be rotated out with the new one or whatever it is, however your current system is set up. Still those as well. Like, there's a way to go into it. There's a way to come out of it. If you want to reference it at all, there is a way to do it without breaking the flow of the podcast. Again, it's I think it's about maintaining your tone and maintaining the sort of feel of your show. Whatever that is, maintain that for your advertisements as well as often as possible or as much as possible. Every podcaster listening right now, if if you say, we're going to take a break one more time, you do so with the fear of me reaching through your earbuds with my lightsaber and slicing out your tongue. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's what's going to happen. So do not, you do it now for fear of losing your tongue from the lightsaber of Pod Vader. Let's let's move on to what all these ads are paying for, Jay. It's not uh, you and me uh, and our. Did I just threaten the podcast? You did a little bit. Violence. I was, I was just going to move right past it, but but I no. am a dark Sith Lord, but I'm not that. <laughs> I hope you got the fact that that was sarcasm. Yeah, of course. Not actually going to physically harm absolutely, anyone. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I will yell at you. It's loudly. best practices. That's what it is. It's best practices. Uh, Jay, where is all this money going? It's not to your and my pockets. It's to some big corporations. Lots of corporations have begun their uh, quarter one reporting, and uh, you've got a couple in particular that are um, important for our industry. So yes, uh, we, we talked about this a little bit last week with the money tree, uh, and that's sort of where some of this is coming from. Uh, but uh, Cumulus, uh, also uh, known as the owners of Westwood One in CBS, their overall digital business grew by more than 60% in 2018. Uh, they started off at 46% growth in quarter one of 2018. Their digital revenue in quarter four grew by 76%, and that's according to their CEO. Uh, in 2016, according to Mary Berner, their podcasting division only generated about $100,000 in revenue. In 2018, she says podcasting generated $12.5 million and profitable podcasting revenue, which means there were expenses involved that uh, that was already accounted for in the amount of earnings that they made with their podcast. This, by the way, is all thanks to the money tree. These folks are using programmatic, digitally inserted, dynamically inserted ads in their podcasts, and they are benefiting tremendously tremendously from it. And if you are a radio station, you know exactly what this is. You know exactly what it does. 
and you're afraid of it because it comes with smaller CPMs. You're, you're so scared off by the smaller CPMs. Well, Cumulus just told you we're making millions of dollars from it. So don't use it. Go right ahead and don't use it because we'll continue to use it and we're going to crush you in the end because we're making millions of dollars. Um, they weren't the only uh, company making money. Uh, Libsyn uh, had their quarterly, uh, had their yearly report. Their podcasting revenue grew by 30%. And in total, the company earned double the amount of revenue year on year, earning over $22 million. The company has $11 million in the bank. The difference here is that Libsyn is not making money off of advertising, although they apparently have announced that they do have a, an advertising program coming that is going to revolutionize podcast advertising as we know it. I'm very curious about said project. Uh, but they also mentioned, but the thing that Libsyn does is they host podcasts. So they're making this money by hosting podcasts. People are paying to have their podcasts on the Libsyn platform to then be distributed to all the places that podcasting is listening. All of this is fantastic news, but notice the amount of revenue earned by the company with advertising versus the company that is just charging for hosting. Uh, if you could combine the two, imagine what the revenues could be at that particular point. And I think that's where a lot of these companies that are starting to get involved in podcasting are following the dollar signs. It'll be interesting to me to see if and how Libsyn rolls this out. In particular, I mean, and obviously, like, one man's opinion is not the whole company, right? So, like, what Rob Waltz says does not necessarily mean what Libsyn, the, the corporation, thinks. And Rob would be one of the first ones to tell you that. However, he particularly has been so anti-programmatic advertising for the indie podcaster. I wonder how that tracks with once they started as a revenue source. Clearly, it will be bigger than their hosting if it's at all successful, right? Which means that the money incentives will tell them over time to chase that, to add to that, to make a uh, hosting, you know, a free hosting uh, plan that'll be available if you opt into our programmatic advertising, et cetera, et cetera, you know, something like that. Uh, to compete with the anchors of the world and grow that revenue slowly over time, all of those will be the incentives that the money will suggest. I'm wondering if the corporate structure of Libsyn is such that they will rebel against that. It's interesting because uh, if you did not know, Rob Walsh is not the president of Libsyn. He just happens to be the public face of the company. Um, and he's also is a very vocal public face of the, of the company as well. Uh, his word does go a long way though, in terms of how the company operates. I'm not saying that's good or bad. All I'm saying is it is, it is interesting, but I'm surprised that all of the news outlets that are reporting on these quarterly revenues, let that line go in, in their, in their release. When Libsyn put the release out in 2019, we plan to expand our podcast hosting product to target Spanish speaking podcast producers, as well as launch what we believe to be a revolutionary podcast advertising platform built specifically for the podcast industry. Why did the news outlets let them get away with saying something like that and not follow up? Why is no one dug into this? Or maybe they have, and they've been sworn to secrecy. Uh, I want to know more about about this particular project. Call me.
Me Please. too. Me too. And it'll it'll be really interesting to see um, what it turns into and what their rollout is like and how they promote it uh, in the podcasting space. Again, they've just been not not anti. I mean, the the company as a whole has talked about the options. They have an option already. You know, they've got Libsyn Pro and different things that you can do uh, to serve advertising already. But for us, for the indie podcaster. This has just uh, seemed like something that they were never going to go down that road. But I, I, I again, it's like uh, it's like taxation, right? As soon as the government taxes something, it'll never be uh, criminalized again because the, they're relying on the revenue. <laughs> once once uh, once Libsyn starts getting this ad money, <laughs> they're going to like it, Jay. <laughs> Listen, bless all you indie podcasters. I've never understood. I've talked to a lot of you. I've spoken to over 7,500 of you over the past four years. That's quite a bit of you. Uh, it's not everybody, obviously, because there's 600,000 podcasts in existence. But 7,500 of you, I've spoken to you. And some of you are putting in hours upon hours of laborious work, and you're not seeing a dime from any of it. And you're actually paying a company so that you're so that your creation that you've put your heart and soul into can be heard by, uh, you know, let's be honest, a fairly small audience. I don't know why you keep doing it. I love you for it. Um, you're putting out some great stuff. It's fantastic to listen to, but quite honestly, at some point you got to look at that net negative and go, Ooh, I, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep putting in, you know, 24, 40 hours a week on a show that's not making me any money. And as a matter of fact, is costing me money to continue to do. Yeah. Uh, I, well, okay. So personally, uh, well, as a matter of fact, and this will uh, sort of segue into my currently listening too. all of my shows for the past several years in podcasting have been hosted on blog talk radio originally. And now on Spreaker with, uh, the Vox nest, uh, creation and, and the merger of those two companies. I moved over to the Spreaker platform because they've got some more modern tools, but one of the reasons that I hosted with them is because I was in their prime program. I didn't pay the hosting fees. And in fact, through their dynamic ad insertion, i made a little money every month. Uh, it's been very good for me. And for the shows that I'm doing, for the content that I was producing, that was the right fit for me. I started a show and just launched a new show like two weeks ago on March 17th. And, uh, or that's just a week ago now. Um, it's a religious show. Backsliding to Glory is the name of it. You can find us at backslidingtoglory.com. Also a very niche topic, uh, not, not unlike this one. But we've, we've had a good start already, and we're, we're really building an interesting community, and I'm excited. We talk about sort of being a progressive Christian in the Bible Belt. That's the, the, the topic of uh, discussion. But for that show, I very specifically thought it would have been wrong to have advertising particularly advertising that I had no control over, right? I mean, there are uh, ways that you can blacklist certain companies or certain segments uh, of advertising so that you can say, hey, I don't want any political ads or I don't want any alcohol ads or something like that. But still, it would be weird in the middle of a discussion about faith, about very personal issues we're going to be talking about, you know, uh, personal spiritual journeys at different times and stuff like that. And it would be strange in the middle of that to suddenly have a Geico ad or something. So I said, I want, I want to host this show somewhere else. So what was my path? I was Honestly, I was waiting on Rebel Base Media, uh, our friend Mark Asquith. They're about to launch Captivate, their new hosting platform. I wanted to try it out. I may still down the road. What I ended up doing, though, was I used 
my Squarespace site where where we host Always Listening and and um, my business is there as well. Uh, I set up a new blog page for the show and I used their podcasting features. I also bought a Blueberry Stat. Uh, account for that. And I connected those two. It's really easy to do. You get a little code from your Blueberry account, paste it into every one of your posts on Squarespace. And that's working really great for me. For me, I'm able to track the stats and get, you know, really solid media hosting without having the dynamic ad insertion. So I understand why indie podcasters choose this method of like doing it all on their own and having to roll their own. I have always said since uh, Blog Talk first started really pushing it, when the Spreaker came in and, and took over that that effort, uh, when Anchor started with their dynamic ad insertion discussions, I said that is not inherently a bad thing. I don't like a lot of the other things that Anchor does as much as some of these other podcasting companies, but that part of it is not bad. And in fact, the idea that we free up more creators to try their own little silly thing, whatever thing that it is that they want to make, to make it easier on them, that $5 a month, $10 a month, $15 a month. I know it doesn't seem like much, but again, like it adds up over the course of everything else that we're doing in our day-to-day lives. Yes, podcasting is still a very affordable hobby when compared to things like golf or, you know, softball or, you know, long-term, you know, long, uh, 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 long distance biking or something like that. But Jay, no one's giving up those other things to do podcasting, right? Not really. Like, I don't know about you, but I still go to the movies, even though I'm a podcaster. I do less of that maybe than I used to. I still go out to eat. I like to go bowling once in a while. I I still do lots of other things that are hobbies for me in addition to podcasting. And again, it's like if I can turn down the payment on one or a couple of those here and there and save myself a few bucks, that just means that I get to do more of all of the things. And it's like you said, there is amazing content out there. I don't want to stop that water hose, right? Like I don't want to stop the fire hydrant of amazing, original, innovative content that we are in this sort of golden age right now. And I think the next rebirth of it will be from you know, my kids' generation, your kids' generation, I don't think those kids are ever going to want to pay 10 bucks a month to post their show. They're just not. No, because they don't have to on YouTube. Precisely. Precisely. And like my five-year-olds downstairs know that, that they could have a YouTube channel for free. And and uh, by the way, we've rem- we're one of those families that have removed the YouTube Kids app all across the house. Like we're not a huge YouTube family. And yet... Even at five, even for two homeschooled twins, they know what a YouTube channel is and what the general economics of it is. Oh, if your YouTube channel gets a lot of views, you get money for that. Dad, did you know that? They were telling me the other night we were watching Nickelodeon, JoJo Siwa or somebody was hosting the some, you know, like Kids' Choice Awards or something. And they were telling me about some of the stuff that JoJo Siwa did this year. And, and it, that all comes from her YouTube channel eventually or, or traces back there anyway. So, yeah, that's a whole generation that is going to thumb their nose at the Libsons of the world if they don't have something different to offer. Well, like half the people involved in the NBA All-Star uh, weekend, the All-Star celebrity game, uh, were <laughs> Internet celebrities. And I just kept looking at my son. You know him? You know him? I have no clue who that person is. Do you? Uh, and and some of them he did. Some of them he actually didn't. But, I mean, that's that's my go-to on the Internet celebrities are my two children. Uh, and, and they watch crazy stuff. 
my daughter, I mean, never mind the whole slime phenomenon, but <laughs> the, my daughter watches like these videos of, of a family, like a mom and a dad and their two kids. And she's like, I wish our life was like their life. I'm, <laughs> are you kidding me right now? Like, wh- what is this? This is, this is outrageous. I I don't know what you're watching on these YouTube videos, but I'm going to have to have you stop. Uh, I wish, uh, you know, Mr. Brown was my dad. What, what are you talking about? Enough of this craziness. So I don't know. I don't know what the future of this is, Jay. I do know that. Uh, What's I, the future I was- of Apple? Well, yeah, we're going to get to that too in just a second. But I will say, I will say this: you made mention of it earlier. Even if this like extreme stratification happens, even if the the BBC experiment is successful and other media companies pull in their original audio content as well, I do think that you are right in that uh, Marco Arment with Overcast and others like him, there'd be a couple of others that would pop up to fill the void. And what we would have is a a new rebirth of the original indie podcaster market, you know, like back before iTunes even came into the space in some ways where it was literally like just connecting directly with with other creators and saying like, what are you doing and how is it working and how did you get your show out there and, and what did you change with your format and how are you connecting to your audience and how are you bringing on guests, all those sorts of things. Um, I think we could absolutely have that again. The podcasting that you and I are doing, the podcasting that most of our listeners are doing doesn't have to go away no matter what these giant corporations end up doing that's the good news and you're absolutely right on that speaking of the giant corporations though quickly before we we wrap up apple did have an event uh today as we record this we're recording this monday afternoon um i was really i can't believe you pulled back the curtain like that i'm sorry i I know i was was going all along i kept trying not to make any dated references and you just went right for it so i was worried that actually something's going to be announced tuesday morning and then we'll look foolish because we don't discuss it so there you go there's a peek behind the kimono (laughs) (laughs) um Apple, I was very, I didn't expect any real announcements that would affect podcasters directly today, but I was interested in listening to the uh, event and watching the event and seeing what Apple had to bring to the table. I did think that we might get an announcement of a breakup of iTunes. That's one of the things I think I referenced last week. The iTunes app for Macs and PCs is so old at this point, and it doesn't even really support a lot of the things that modern Apple is doing. That was directly referenced in some way in the keynote because uh, they made reference to the fact that the Apple TV app, which is available for your iPhone and your iPad and your Apple TV uh, devices now, will be coming to smart TVs over the next couple of months. It'll be coming to the Fire TV uh, boxes and sticks. It'll be coming to the Roku boxes, all of that. It'll also be coming this fall to the Mac in a, uh, the next update to Mac OS, I'm assuming. Mojave is the current one. Whatever rolls out around September or October, that will have the um, Apple TV app included as part of it. This is going to be where you're accessing all of your iTunes purchases, uh, TVs and movies. This will be where you access your uh, new Apple TV Plus, what is it called? Apple, yeah, it's Apple TV Plus is the name of their video streaming service that's coming. Those shows will be accessed through the TV app. But also, they're taking an Amazon approach where you can buy your HBO subscription through them too if you want. You can buy your CBS mm-hmm. uh, uh, exclusive subscription. You can buy your Showtime subscription, your BBC box, you know, BritBox or whatever they call it. You can buy your subscription to all of those through Apple, have one subscription you know, uh, charge and all of those shows would then be available through the TV app. So it's sort of a consolidation there. 
But the fact that that's coming to the Mac means that they're pointing out that those programs won't be available through iTunes. And I thought, here it comes, here it comes, podcasts is next. There was no such announcement today. However, it is very likely, in my opinion, that at WWDC, the Worldwide Developer Conference this summer, uh, that we will get an announcement of the full breakup of the iTunes app. I think what we're going to end up is like something that does syncing and backups, some app that is the music app. Basically, you'll have the TV app, and I think they'll have a podcast app uh, separately as well. That would be very cool. The question would be, do does Apple take that opportunity to roll that podcast app out not only to the Mac, but to the PC as well, because there are obviously a lot of people that use the iTunes app to listen to podcasts on their you know, work desktop at, at, uh, at work. They use the iTunes app to do that. Would they roll out the podcast app to the PC? Would they roll out the podcast app to Android at that point? That's something that we've discussed. Would they do down the road? If they ever have hopes of producing original content from Apple in the audio space, like we discussed earlier, you think they've got to have an app on Android eventually, right? So um, it'll be interesting to watch those moves over the summer. We'll we'll get a real indication and some news about that by June, I would think. I think WWDC is like the second or third week of June this year. And uh, when the first keynote happens that on the, on the opening day, we should get a very big sense of if this is going to happen or not. And then we'll have all summer to worry about how it affects our hosting and what we might need to do in our RSS feed to make any changes to support it, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, but I do think it's coming. They didn't announce anything today. I do think it's coming. Here's the second part of that, Jay, that they announced today. Um, and I mentioned this before we started recording, but they have announced an Apple card. They're, they've got their own credit card now. And uh, a big part of that is a reward service. If you make purchases directly with Apple, you get uh, 3% cash back. If you make purchases using Apple Pay with anyone else, you get 2% cash back. And then if you make any outside purchases using your card, you know, you just go to the gas station or the grocery store or something and use the actual physical card, you get 1% cash back. And that cash back comes, by the way, every single day, which is sort of cool. The way that they're going to do the rewards, though, that cash goes into your Apple Cash card, which you already have, Jay, if you're an Apple user, on your wallet app on your iPhone or, or uh, iPad. The wallet app has a cash app, uh, a, a, an Apple Cash app in it, and you can send money back and forth right now. You can uh, uh, add money to it and make purchases with it, et cetera, et cetera. This is where Apple is going to put your rewards money. I think as part of this services narrative and their desire to grow their revenue through services over the next few years, I think that we're going to see them lean into the financial services in particular. I think we're going to see Apple give us all sorts of different reasons for us to not only spend money with them, but for them to actually hold our money in different ways. Uh, the Apple Cash reward system is part of that, I think, and they're going to be really suggesting and pushing you to use that Apple Cash in different ways so that you want to use the credit card more, I think. Part of that, I think, would be really interesting, Jay, is if you could tip creators through the podcast app. It's something we've talked about a lot in the past. Apple's never really exactly had all the pieces in place to make it super easy and since they've never made any money on podcasts yet, as you have so often said recently here, it's like, well, why would they do it? 
Well, now we know why they might want to do it. They want a piece of the services industry. They want a bigger piece of, of the services industry, and they want that to be a growing part of their company as the iPhone business especially levels off and sort of begins to stagnate maybe. This is a new way for it, and we've already seen two companies that are doing it already making big chunks of money. You know, Libsyn made $22 million last year. Uh, uh, Cumulus made uh, $12.5 million in podcasting just through ad revenue. Think about the different avenues that Apple could take here. I mean, never mind Apple being a media hosting company too, right? Apple could say, hey, if you'd like to host your content directly with us, it's Apple exclusive only through the Apple Podcasts app, but this gives you this benefit and this benefit and this benefit. I mean, again, like a very compelling product could be delivered there very quickly without a whole lot of extra work from them on the back end. Anyway, I just, I see the pawns moving into place and I think the time is ripe. The time is ripe for Apple to do something. If we don't see a podcasting announcement in a big way this summer with WWDC, I think we can go ahead and hang it up for this round of podcasting anyway, that Apple's going to do anything in the space more than they already do. I really do. If, if you go through this summer and you get to the fall and the release of iOS 13 and the rollout of all of these other services that we're talking about, and podcast isn't part of that narrative. Um, yeah, I just don't see I don't see them having that interest a year or two or three down the road when they're trying to grow and expand their video product and their news product and their game streaming service and everything else. They own podcasting right now. Lots of other big companies are coming trying to take a bite out of it. Either they're going to bite back or they're not. That is uh, that is some big insights and. Uh... I just realized you are a big time techie. You're way more techier than I am. That's for sure. Uh, well, in particular, I follow the Apple space like super closely. I love big business. I love watching the tech companies and the like from a sociological aspect. I like watching them mm. sort of move. Like I, I honestly, I hear like you know. Sir Attenborough narrating it sometimes in my head, like envision the young apple as it strodes out onto the plain, um, whatever. Anyway, like I, I, I do, I see it like a nature documentary almost. Um, and it's, <laughs> oh and my it's God, you just took me back to college again. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> it's especially interesting since we are in the middle of it, right? Like we're in this ecosystem, hmm. we're in this industry. Literally, my daily bread is affected by the things that these companies do. And yet, as we see again and again and again, we're effectively still an afterthought to most of them. You know, the the Spotify thing was so interesting and so exciting to us because we weren't an afterthought, because it was big boy money. It is first and foremost for them. You know, they are an audio company. That's all they do. That's all they want to do. They keep saying that. And so that's, I think, what raised all of our eyebrows about it. It will be interesting to see if Apple responds, I, I'm hopeful they will. I think they. I think a lot of things are in place for them to do so this summer. I got my fingers crossed, Jay. Could you imagine if Apple decided to offer free hosting? What would uh, what would the uh, what would the what would the uh, town criers say then? Uh, free is not a business plan. Would they still yell that at Apple? I have a feeling they wouldn't. So, well, so it was interesting today to watch some of their uh, some of the the commentary, and and it, it'll be interesting over the next couple of months because the credit card doesn't roll out until the summer. But some of the commentary today was like, 
oh, Apple's uh, abandoned all hope. They're moving into usury. You know, like they're they're uh, anybody who needs a financial product, anybody who just wants to make money on uh, interest rates, has clearly lost their minds. I do think, though, there is, and I'm, listen, I am not an Apple fanboy in that I think every move they make is good or positive, et cetera, et cetera. But they, they do have a giant pile of money, more money than any other company in the world that they're just sitting on there as far as like actual cash and assets. And one of the things that they have an opportunity to do with that money is to revolutionize the banking industry in some ways. Like lots of people have speculated on that. I, I'm not saying they're going to in a way that is totally pro-consumer. I'm just saying that it's out there. It's possible. Likewise, Apple could look at our space and say, what is a way that we can make money in this space, but that is creator first, right? Mm. That is yep. that is creation first, even. Uh, and, and I think the massive war chest that they're sitting on puts them in a very unique position to make decisions like that, which will long-term also be good business decisions too. They just don't have to pay off in the short term or immediately or in such a big way like so many other companies that are literally like, will we make it or not this year? Well, I mean, basically the Illuminati consists of Disney, <laughs> Apple, and Google, right? So, I mean, we all should just bow down to our overlords at this point. It's all Walt's frozen head. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Um, Jay, let's, uh, let's wrap up. I, I, we did a little bit of, uh, currently listening there. I mentioned my show. If, if you are like me, a person of faith and, uh, particularly one maybe on a, a little bit on the leftist side, uh, I'd love for you to check it out. Backsliding to glory.com. Uh, I've got a, a great female host, Megan Romer, who is, uh, a, a Twitter personality that I've fallen in love with recently. She's from South Louisiana, but she's great. And uh, she and I do uh, a pretty good job, I think. We were like three episodes in. We recorded our fourth one this morning, actually. So check that out. Jay, where can people find you online? Uh, I am at the real Pod Vader on Twitter, uh, facebook.com slash podvader page. Uh, that's where you can find me. And some of my business stuff is set up there. So if you want to hire me to help you out and I'll tell you more about the Illuminati, thanks to uh, time suck by damn Cummins. Can you tell I've been binging it? I'm excitable today. Someone who might say I ate my Wheaties for breakfast. Although it's since you already pulled back the curtain, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe it's just a matter of we're at the end of the day. It's time to get crazy. That's right. We can see the we can see the afternoon now, Jay. Uh, we can see the evening ahead of us, and and uh, it doesn't include as much work as the morning did. Yeah, that's that's the that's the um, the positivity in our voices, folks. Uh, thanks to everybody who's listening and giving good feedback. I've gotten some more uh, positive stuff on social media about the new format, and uh, Jay and I and our repartee appreciate that. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you'd like to hear more of, in particular. Um, something, Jay, that uh, somebody mentioned to me the other day. You and I have been actually discussed maybe doing a, a little mini series on some how-to podcasting stuff and some uh, less news but maybe do it like one segment a week for a while that focuses on how to launch a show or how to relaunch a show or something like that uh, so we'll, we'll maybe uh, put our noodles on that and get to it let us know what you'd like to hear about some topics that you'd like us to discuss on that angle as uh, in addition to the news of the day yeah that uh, stuff ain't free no, that's that stuff is behind my paywall. Come to my Pod Vader Plus page for that one. Uh, you can find me at the Rogues Life on Twitter or uh, anytime propodcastingservices.com. Uh, that's the shingle. Uh, folks, until next week, we've been your hosts. I'm Joel. 
I'm Jay, and we are the lowest common denominator. <laughs> We're always listening, folks. Yeah, I know I ain't seen it all, but I've seen enough. Yeah, I know I ain't seen it all, but I've seen enough. Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all our reviews by searching Always Listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio. Also, you can find us anytime at alwayslisteningpod.com or email us at alwayslisteningpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Enough by Bethany Rayburn. Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.